877-367-7777. UCI Docs. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Hello, hello. You are back inside the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. It's Friday night. It's 5 o'clock. The cocktails are poured. Dana and I are sitting here with you as we do every Friday night with our our feet up, our uh, minds open. Drinks poured. Drinks poured somewhere in that order. Not our... And, uh, yeah, and we, uh, we've we got another fun guest. I'm your host, Marie Stone, by the way. And I am Dana Flores. How are and you? And on the line right now, we have Marnie, the wing girl. Is that what you go by? Yeah. Marnie, the wing girl. I do, yeah. That's what my mom called me, too, so, yeah. That, uh, that reminds me of Top Gun, like the wingman. Was the yeah, well, that's that's where it's from. So, and I I started this. I was joking about the mom thing, but um, I started my business about eight and a half years ago, and it came from a drunk night where I was making a joke, and I helped guys pick up women, and I said, "What if I was like a wingman? But what what's the wingman for a girl? A wing girl?" And then I put an ad on Craigslist, and I had seventy five guys respond by the next morning. So I started. Nice. So you have a unique perspective on things, though. You're you're not just, from what I understand, you just don't have a secret chest of pickup lines that you came up with. You do something different. Right. I don't really believe in routines and pickup lines. I understand completely, uh, you know, for learning the basics, you definitely need a system in place, but that system should quickly be replaced by authenticity um, and realness. So, no, I don't believe in lines and games and routines and techniques. Um, my method is based on on men learning to become the best men they can possibly be by gaining more information about women. Because I think that the more you understand about women, the more confident you can be, and therefore you can get higher quality, better women to be attracted to you. I like it. Thanks. I like it. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Are they um, are are guys receptive to this, or are they a little bit intimidated by it? Because you know, 
I, I don't know. It, it seems very comfortable to fall back on the old tired lines, but to, to get real seems a little bit scary for guys. I know. Um, the guys who do, who I do work with are very receptive to me. Uh, they find me typically, so I, so I don't really have to sell people. Um, I am a part of the pickup artist industry. I am the only woman female run and operated business within that industry. Uh, so yeah, people are very receptive. I don't, I don't know if I can swear on your show, so I'm going to stop myself before I do, but I don't give typical girly answers for men. I, I give them real information and I call them out when they're not, you know, grabbing their balls and being men. I don't want men to be wimps. I'm teaching them to be assertive men who can be leaders that can turn women on just by being themselves. Not the be yourself, but their true self that's not robotic or covered in all of these misbeliefs and misunderstandings about what women want. Right, right. I forget where you're located. Are you in L.A.? Yeah, I'm really close to you guys. You guys are in Irvine, right? Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah. We could use you. I could use you. Yeah. I feel more in touch with my male side than I do every day. <laughs> I could probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's how I was too. That's why I started. I was always friends with guys, you know. And through this this business and this process, you know, I've I've learned how to be more feminine. You know, I have to obviously call on my more masculine side um, when I'm working with people. But I know that the guys, as soon as I step into my feminine role with them, and I'm feeling not intimidated but I'm feeling flirty and light and feminine that's when I know my work is done I like that I like that um (laughs) so what's the how well do you need to get to know a guy in order to know you know how to get him in touch you know what what's your relationship like with these men and how deep do you have to go into them in order to figure out the wormhole that's you know going to best put him in touch with himself doesn't take long there's like a few basic things or issues that, that are typically going on. So either it's approach anxiety, it's um, not being assertive and not being a leader, so like the friend zone, so just sort of being complacent. Um, and these, these aren't like loser guys. They're absolutely amazing guys who are confident in other areas of their lives. But when it comes to women, there is a slight misunderstanding as to what women want. And they're, they're, they're worried because they don't know the balance between being assertive and being a gentleman. So I think that a lot of guys are afraid to be aggressive jerks. Um, so instead of being aggressive jerks, they, they fall to the other end of the spectrum. But Literally, I do half an hour sessions with people where in the first 10 minutes, I can hear what's going on with them, and I, I make little tweaks. Usually, it, it's not a lot of work to make um, alterations in your behavior. You first have to start noticing things, and then once you start noticing, you can take action and make those adjustments that are needed. So I would say typically within 15 minutes, I can hear it on the phone and if somebody writes to me I can hear it pretty instantly I'm like the chick whisperer wow (laughs) (laughs) what are the things that have changed in society that's made it so the pickup industry is kind of blown up seems pretty big it's massive actually it's like a billion dollar industry so it's it's really quite large Um, I think that there's a lot of confusion for men 
Um, I don't think that they know what their role is. There was, there's been a lot of time focused on female empowerment and women are getting stronger and they're having voices and we're going through a growing phase. So, you know, we're, we're really focused on understanding who we are and what our place is and we are getting stronger. Um, and we are doing everything now. So, you know, for men, their roles in the past were, were very simple. They were the leaders of the household. They went and they earned an income, and they, they came home to their wives that were waiting at home for them with a dinner on the table. And it's, it, that's not how it is now. Some women are making more money than men. Uh, women are speaking their minds. Um, so a lot of men, again, are, are getting confused as to what their role is. They get a lot of mixed messages from the media and television. You know, a lot of media portrays men as, lazy and wimpy towards women and I don't think that that's good for men plus there's estrogen in the water that's you know increasing men's estrogen levels those are like scientific things but that's a separate conversation um but it's mainly confusion good lord there's estrogen in the water had you heard that Dana I did not know that. Good Lord. Yeah. It's from, well, I, okay, all. I'm not going to, don't quote me on this, but it's from, uh, you know, women who take the pill, so yeah. they go to the bathroom, right? And that's in our, in the urine, and it goes into our, our, our water system. And basically, it's like in, in everything, in everything. So it's in bottles of water. It's in our water. It's in our food. It, it's, yeah. So it's, it's an issue and a problem for sure. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. That's scary. Um, so, so these guys contact you, and you set up some sort of over the email or phone consultation with them. I'm just trying to kind of walk through the process of what your yeah. start to so finish like, looks like. There's multiple processes. So, I, I work with men all over the world. Like I work with men who live in Egypt and Spain and Australia. Um, so, there's different processes for them, and then for people who are local. So, I have a a, a blog that's pretty popular. Um, and I have newsletters that I send out to people. Um, so people get information that way. I have products that I sell online that are uh, top sellers in my industry and very informative. And um, Products uh, like, include, like books or? Yeah, books and DVDs, but they're more like systems and programs. Like one's called What's Inside a Woman's Mind that has 50 interviews with 50 beautiful, amazing women uh, about the topics that men ask me about most. So... What I do is I interview these women and pretend to turn off the recorder, and then I get, like, the real juicy information from them, and I reveal the information to men, which at first I thought women would be really upset about, but they're actually quite happy because I don't think that a lot of women know how to relay this information to men, nor do they want to. They, it's not attractive when you have to tell a man how to be a man. It's more attractive when he is the man that you're, you've described. Give me an example. Like, um, are you talking about the kind of sex tips or are you talking about anything? Oh, everything. everything. So if we, we talk about, like, the friend zone, for example. So if we talk about uh, men who are not decision makers, men who, you've had this before, I'm sure, where you're friends with a guy who you know likes you, you can feel it, you know he likes you, but you like the attention, it's nice, you also enjoy the friendship, and he's not asking for anything else. So you continue having a friendship with him. Why not? It's selfish on both people's parts because the guy gets to be around a girl that he likes without taking the risk of possibly losing her because he thinks in his in his mind, even though he knows that she doesn't want him, that someday it will change. And he's nearing that every single day. He gets closer and closer and closer. And the girl gets to be around the guy that adores her and will do anything for her and care for her and hold her and cuddle with her. 
and that is not healthy for anybody because it distracts people from actually going after what they want and getting what they want. So I'll interview women about, you know, times that they've done that to men before and times that men have been able to break out of that friend zone and what works, what doesn't work, and what they respond to. So I'm just trying to, I try to give men the most insider information possible. So I give them a little peephole into, you know, girls' nights and they're, they're confessional, basically. And I, my specialty is getting women to open up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so then it's, then they can buy these products or they can view the products, and then how much time do you spend with them before you send them off into the the bar well, scene not, or something? It's an, oh, it's, it's not the bar. We're never sending anybody to the bar scene <laughs> unless they really like going to bars. But, yeah, so for the people that I work with one-on-one, I'm actually starting a coaching division, so I'm going to be doing boot camps all over the United States and, and then moving to Europe afterwards. So uh, the people that I work with one-on-one, it depends. Most of them do a one-month intensive with me, which is half an hour a week, and then we make simple little tweaks. I inform them, um, and then they're pretty good afterwards. I'm not like a therapist, so I don't say, you have to see me every week for the next eight years, and then <laughs> then we'll see how you're doing. I don't believe in that at all because, you know, people progress at different stages, and people have different things to work on, and you don't know your own potential until you actually do things. So um, I start typically with the one-month intensive, and we go from there. So you're kind of doing mock dates with them during these half-hour sessions? Okay. And it's fun. So I'm married, so I get to date all the time, so it's pretty wonderful. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I'm doing mock scenarios with them, and I do mock pickups and mock dates. And um, if they, you know, if they are in a relationship, if they have to bring up something that they think is a sticky topic, I'll do that with them. So I, I coach them on how to be or how to express themselves and communicate as leaders rather than wimpy men who are literally want to get their balls chopped off by women. Right. I love it. You are tuned into the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are, by the way, uh, streaming on the web at KUCI.org. We are broadcasting, obviously, live KUCI um, at 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're broadcasting. I'll get you more information on that later. And it would be fun if, don't you think, if people want to write into us uh, in real time, you can absolutely send us your questions to the chat room at KUCI.org. We are on this hour with Marnie, the wing girl. She is a dating coach, uh, dating guru. She's the the chick whisperer. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I took that from somebody. So, so, but yeah, but it's a cool name. It is a cool name. Marnie, would you be willing to give us some of the inside scoop on what are, what's maybe one of the most unusual conceptions a guy had about women that you kind of helped set straight? Oh, that women do not want to be approached. That is completely false. They don't want to be approached by a annoying, wimpy guy or a creepy guy, but they absolutely want to be approached by the right guy who knows how to approach them, even if they're out with their girlfriends, even if they're out with their parents. They... The, the men, men don't need permission to go and approach a woman. A woman. As soon as they're asking for permission or not sure if they have their permission, that's the moment that you actually become less attractive. And so these guys are scared of upsetting a woman? Is that the idea? No, it really comes down to, you know, approach anxiety and fear about not knowing what to say. It's really about thinking big picture. Right? So I'm sure that in a comfortable scenario, maybe even yourself, I'm not sure if you're married or in a relationship, but at some time you'd have to go through the situation 
And, you know, in, in a typical scenario, yeah, of course he'll go talk to a woman, woman and you can be confident, probably when she's not attractive or you don't find her attractive or when she happens to be right there because a friend has introduced you and it's an easy connection. But for other women who you see that you actually want to see if you want to be with them, if you want to have sex with them or if you want to go on a date with them, whatever, they pique your interest. A lot of guys have difficulty going up and approaching women like that. So what they do is they take what they can get rather than going for what they want. So what I help men do is I help them drill back their intention, reframe their intention so that they can go and approach anybody, absolutely anybody they want. So it seems like approach anxiety is a major problem, which is... Oh, definitely. And then, ha- and then talking to women is a huge problem. Not a huge problem, but I don't want to call it a problem. But it's a, it's a big thing. A lot of men speak in statements and they forget to connect to women. And then some men over-connect to women where they literally become their female best friend. Would and you, that, that's a challenge as well. Would you define approach anxiety for the listeners that aren't uh, familiar right. with the term? Yes, it's having anxiety about approaching. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, it's like, okay, so everybody's had approach anxiety at some point. So you see somebody, whether it's a man or a woman or you're a man or a woman, and you want to go up and approach them. For example, for me, at the gym right now, um, there's a guy that works on TMZ, Harvey Levine or whatever his name is. I think that's his name. And... I had approach anxiety for him for, you know, for one time when I saw him. And I was just like, I can't go up to him. I'm bothering him. He's working out. And then I was like, oh, screw it, whatever. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if I'm bothering him, he'll let me know. So I went up and approached him. So before I actually approached him, I had approach anxiety because I was thinking about it in my head. I was overanalyzing it. And it was causing me to have heart palpitations. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what approach anxiety looks like. It's being nervous about approaching somebody that you know or that you don't even know. So the idea is that there's some some kind of uh, mental process that's going on that's giving you this anxiety. Absolutely. There's a mental process. So it's a mental process that you can actually control because a lot of people let their emotions get carried away. So what they can actually do is they can reframe an intention. So a lot of guys, when they talk about approaching a woman, And I say to them, you know, what are you trying to do when you approach a woman? And they say, well, I'm trying to approach her, get her number, and then, like, have to sleep with her. I'm like, that's a big big intention. Like, that's a lot to put on your shoulders. Of course you're psyching yourself out, and of course you're not connecting with a woman because you're two steps ahead of her every single time. So if you can actually drill back your intention, and you can say, I'm going to go to her and approach her, see if she's cool, if she is, then... You know, I'll do what I want with her after that. I'll make the decision at that time. So I, I tell men, I write them down a new uh, intention, and I tell them to stick it in their back pocket and then go out and practice. And practice going and approaching 10 people every single day that you are somewhat having anxiety over. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest mistakes? I guess we've covered a lot of them, but what are some of the biggest mistakes <laughs> these guys make? Uh, the biggest mistake. Uh, so I find it's really interesting. So I do a lot of mock conversations with guys, like, um, for first-time approaches. And so a big mistake that I see is that guys go into interview mode with a woman. Um, and so, like, for example, if I was to approach you, I would say, hey, my name's Marnie. How are you doing? Good. And you would respond. <laughs> and then I just stand here and stare <laughs> at you for dinner. <laughs> uh, how's your day going? Excellent. 
Great. Um, what are you drinking? A martini. Apple martini. martini. Do you like martini? I do. <laughs> what do you like about martinis? They're packed with alcohol. Cool. I like alcohol, too. So, like, you <laughs> going into interview mode there. They, and, then, and then they think, okay, I've asked four questions now. Now I can ask for her phone number. So oh, they forget cool. to actually be a part of the interaction. And so I help them. I have a, a method called, it's called OSA, which is observation, sharing, and asking questions, which teaches men how to cut out formalities, approach women, and bring them into their world rather than attempting to jump in, into a woman's world hmm. and make yourself seem interesting so that a woman will drop her guard. Not drop her guard, but will be more comfortable with you approaching. Because when, when you're approached by a guy using interview mode, I know that for myself, every question is just like a drain of energy for me because I'm literally thinking, what do you want from me? Right. Spit it out. Like, and it gets more and more annoying afterwards because I'm not, I, this isn't, isn't my interaction. It's not my approach. You approach for a reason. So either talk to me and share information. Tell me why you're interesting. Tell me why I'm interesting. Or t- tell me something rather than trying to get me to open up because I'm not going to open up to somebody that I'm either not attracted to or have no understanding why I should be opening up to them. Right. So uh, that is one of the, the biggest mistakes. The other mistake is that men forget to listen and connect to a woman. A woman will not have sex with you, will not answer the phone the next day, and will not want to go on a second, third, or fourth date with you if you do not listen and connect to her <laughs> good point <laughs> is there a is there a set of rules that you sort of advocate for these guys in terms of like you know when it's okay to try and have sex with her how many times you know you go out but do we know who pays kind of all of those kind of you know rules yeah, things yeah. oh for sure so the, the paying one a guy pays absolutely for the first three days Okay. The, uh, hands down, 100%. I, I, like, you don't have to go anywhere expensive. You can actually go places that are free. You don't need to spend a fortune. But um, I've had guys who, you know, go Dutch on dates. I, I, I'm not into that at all. I don't, I don't like it. I'm not into it. Um, but you don't have to spend a fortune either. But I have the other rule, the main rule that I have is that you can do whatever you want as long as you're not hurting anybody, being manipulative, or being dishonest. You have the right to ask for whatever you want. Somebody else will tell you what they don't want. Okay. So that is the only thing that slice guys out because they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to go up and approach her. Or you can do whatever you want. You can literally go up to a woman and say, do you want to go have sex in the bathroom right now? It's really fun. And if you can carry that off properly with my coaching, you will be able to, and you can go have sex in the bathroom. And uh, so that doesn't send bristles up your spine in terms of uh, longevity of the relationship. Longevity? Well, that's a different topic of conversation. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So for me, I'm not preaching for men to be in relationships. I'm, I'm, I'm helping them get the options that they want. And gotcha. if the options that they want is to be in a long-term relationship, great. That's wonderful. If the option that they want is to explore and see what they like out there, great. I don't want them to ever manipulate anybody. I don't want them to lie. I don't want them to hurt anybody. I teach men how to do everything with complete integrity so that women know what they're opting into. Yeah. Um, so nobody, you know, we're all adults. And 
we like to have fun um, sometimes, and some some people don't. I, I'm not a one-night stand girl. I've never been. Um, I am a relationship girl. Um, but other girls that I know, you know, are very open to having fun and a great time. So I teach guys to get and ask for what they want without being jerks. Right. Now, you have mentioned earlier that you're not so into the bar scene. No. It seems like every other pickup artist, their whole routine is about how to pick up people in bars. What's What's your advice? Uh, my advice is go to a bar if you like a bar. But I have lots of guys who will write me and say, well, you know, like, I don't really like going to bars, but that's where I go to meet women. So I said, why would you go somewhere that you're already uncomfortable? So you're already, like, a negative five. Why would you put yourself in somewhere that you don't enjoy? So what I advise people to do, and this is, like, it's, I have a new program that's coming out called The Insider, and this is week two of The Insider. It's all about building a social life that you like and women are dying to be part of. So if you really like running groups, then go be a part of a running group, but make sure that it's a singles running group. So I actually just spoke at an event uh, in New York for 300 women. I've never spoken for women before, so it's pretty interesting. And um, uh, one woman said, well, like, you know, how do I find, how do I find groups or things that I like? And I said, you got to Google that. I don't know if I can say that word on the air, but you Google. If you are into baking or no, let's say like if you're into drinking wine, if you are 35 and you are single and you live in New York, Google single 35 New York wine tasting and you will find so many options of things to do and places to go and people to meet. You'll find other people who are like you. And if if you don't find a mate there, then at least you're having a good time doing what you're doing and you can meet other people who like what you're doing who can then introduce you to more people that you may like. So you don't have to go to a bar, although I did say wine tasting, so I'm still in the alcohol category. But if you're not a bar person, then don't go to a bar. It's just it's silly. Go somewhere that you're comfortable because you want to own whatever space that you're in and be knowledgeable. And, and if you're already uncomfortable at a bar, then... Uh, it's not going to help you. How's the online world changed this equation? You know, is it okay for guys to approach women via email, via texting? Uh, you know, uh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But, but um, so most of my girlfriends who are 25 and older, um, they don't like when guys arrange dates over text. And the ones who are 30 and older will refuse to go out with a guy who arranges a first date over a text. Um, so I think 25 and younger, like my sister is way more open to it. She's happy with texting. It's less scary. Uh, it's easier to do just to make plans. Um, so it is totally acceptable. Um, but, but women as they, as they get older, I think they want that phone call. Uh, for me, I would want that phone call. For my girlfriends, I know that they want that phone call. It doesn't mean that they'll call back. It just means that they want a man who can actually pick up the phone and call and doesn't try to make plans over texting. Yeah, yeah. You are tuned into the chat room. Our guest tonight is Marnie, the wing girl. She is an awesome dating coach and uh, giving us her insights and advice on um, what she tells men to uh, to hook in the women. Are there um, warning signs guys should watch out for when they're encountering some particular crazy girl? <laughs> yeah, well, people always ask, you know, like, how do I 
approach a bitch? And I said, why would you want to approach a bitch? So I guess that there's some women who have their guard up, obviously, and, like, I'll coach women as well. Stop doing that and be more open. Like, this one woman that I met at this event, she would sit with her arms crossed and have a scowl on her face, and she would say, like, I don't know why guys don't approach me. And I would say, because you look like a miserable shrewd. Why would they approach you? <laughs> You're, like, that's so unhappy. So um, I would say... For guys, like, yes, obviously challenge is nice, but don't be blinded by challenge. If somebody is actually a bad person, um, you don't really want to waste your time on that. It, it kind of shows that you have lack of respect for yourself. If you're, you know, a, a big warning sign is the way that women treat people. You know, it, they may treat you well, but if they treat your server horribly, um, and you're not into that, and hopefully you shouldn't be if you're a good person, uh, I, I would see those as big warning signs that this woman is probably not a good person to be dating. Another thing is um, what I was talking before about paying for the first couple of dates, few dates. Uh, If you want to spot somebody who is, you know, into you for your money, you have have to be aware of that. Um, Someone who doesn't ever offer to pay or if they don't have a lot of money, at least to, you know, cook you dinner or something where there is, like, an exchange back and forth. Um... But you also have to understand what her own values are and what her background is. Because she may have a belief, the way that she grew up, she could be a great girl, but her belief is that a man should always pay. So what? you have to do your own research to find out where these traits are coming from. Um, but if a woman is never offering to pay, I would that, that's a red flag that you can bring up uh, the conversation to find out what that red flag actually means. Marnie, earlier you had mentioned... Actually, it, it kind of sounds like what you're saying is go with your strengths. Don't go and follow a routine. Kind of build up your own little yeah. social world, and, yeah, it, and it will happen. Yeah, own the world. Exactly. Like, have a life. I know so many people who literally, you know, wake up in the morning, they grab their coffee, they go to work, they come home, they watch American Idol, and then they go to bed, and then they're upset because they can't meet women. And they, maybe, maybe they'll go online for two minutes and you know, not even reach out to anybody online and then be upset because they can't meet any women. And I tell them, I'm like, if you want to meet the FedEx delivery person, you sit on your couch. You are doing the right thing. But if that's not who your dream woman is, like, you have to make an effort. The same way that other people make efforts to get jobs, to build friendship circles. Like, as you get older, things don't come to you as easily. You have to be active in activating the social life and the dating life. People are not going to come to you. They, they have themselves to worry about. So you have to put yourself out there, whether it's for online dating, it's going out with your friends, it's creating um, social events, it's having dinner parties, whatever it is, you have to be a part of your life. And you have to make a life in order to have a better life. Do you find many of these men are kind of work-only guys and they kind of have to rekindle that side of them? Yeah, a little bit, because a lot, and a lot of them also, you know, it, they've grown up and their friends are coupling up or they're getting married or whatever it is, and they're left as a single person. So they have to re-find new friends and re- rebuild a whole new social circle. So the first, one of the first things that I do in, in this insider program that's coming out next week on Thursday, again, the second week is about social circles. It's about being active and activating your social life. Like, you have to grab your own life by the balls because if you don't have a life and a woman comes along she's going to be very turned off by you very shortly if you jump into her world too much women 
for me, I know that I like, and I know I've talked to thousands of women over the course of eight and a half years. Um, women like men who have stuff going on in their life. They don't like men who are needy and dependent on them. They don't uh, like men who who don't have an interesting world to be a part of. And interesting doesn't mean they have to be, like, flying all over the country and, you know, have plans every night, but it means that they have to have at least their own interests and their own passion, things that they that they respect in themselves so they don't just throw out the window because a pretty woman comes along. Um, what What's your opinion on all of the proliferation of dating um, sites, you know, like Match.com and eHarmony and all of those? What's my opinion on those sites? Yeah. Uh, they're great. They're, uh, you have to just keep in mind that um, online is a little bit more superficial, but it's a, it's a great resource if you use it correctly. Mm-hmm. If you think that women are going to approach you online, that you're using it incorrectly. If you um, may not know how to express yourself in written word, uh, that may be a difficulty as well. If you start writing women that you don't know, three-page three opening emails asking them 18 questions, that you're not using <laughs> correctly. Um, so uh, online is great, but take it with a grain of salt. It is more superficial, so you do have to play that superficial game. Yeah, you can't have a picture of you wearing like a baseball jersey uh, and it's taken from eight miles away from you where you can't see your face. <laughs> and then you, you can't have like a three-sentence uh, profile and like not, you, you can't, it's, you have to play the superficial game and, and give people the package that they're looking for and, and then and then engage in the conversation. What if you're a guy who has some significant defects, like you, you know, you've got kids, you just got divorced, you have a, you know, nasty STD, I don't know, whatever, you're an alcoholic, I don't know, whatever, like, kind of red ticket items, is there a responsibility to come out with certain amounts of information Early on, do you tell them how, what do you tell guys? So I remember when I was dating and I would go out on dates with guys who did have children, children, for example. I'm not going to touch the herpes thing because that's like a completely different. Yeah. uh, I'll talk talk about that after. Um, But so, so I would go out with guys who had kids and like some guys would on the second date would say, okay, I have to tell you something that I didn't tell you on the first time, and they just set it up as it was so dramatic and so emotional, and I was, I feed into energy, okay, I, I'm, um, I'm an, an extrovert, so I feed off of what other people are projecting uh, through their tonality, through their body language, um, and through the words that they express, and so if some, you know, when somebody said to me, I have to tell you something, I have a daughter, I'm so sorry I didn't tell you, I was like, oh no, God, I was, like, oh, God, now I have to be a single mom. And, like, I just thought about it so negatively because it was expressed to me in a negative way. On the flip side, I had one guy who did have kids who talked about it right away, and he was like, oh, love, I love my daughter. Like, I have her every other Saturday. We go to the beach. We have so much fun. And in that moment, I was like, I could totally be a mother. I could be her mother. I'm ready to adopt that child. It sounds like such a fun life because he presented it in a better way where it wasn't, like, a drain on him. It was presented positively. And you have to remember, like, as a man and as a human being, people are going to respond to whatever signals you are putting out there. If you put out a negative signal, that's something people are going to think is negative. If you put a positive spin, it's going to be positive. It doesn't mean that works every time because there may be some girls who are like, nope, don't want to date a guy with a daughter. But you will have a better chance 
of um, getting more women to react positively if you express it in a positive way. If you have an STD, I would not put that on your dating site, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, like as first line, like, by the way, I've got this. Um, and I like hiking. It doesn't really work. Um, so that, again, I, it's your responsibility. If you do have an STD, obviously to tell somebody before you do have sex, you can just take a little bit more time to have sex with somebody. Um, and then what was the other one? Alcoholism or addiction. Yeah. Um, that, that is a difficult one um, because I, I, mean, I don't, if you are an alcoholic and you know you're an alcoholic, um, you know, people are going to spot that pretty much right away and like kind of attracts like in those situations. So most likely they'll find somebody who kind of also has a substance abuse issue. Um, but because uh, it, it, most people who are you know, functioning alcoholics probably don't describe themselves as alcoholics. <laughs> they just are fun people. So they think they're fun people who go out and have fun. Um, so I think those people are pretty upset front right away. I, I, I really don't know how to respond to that one, to tell you the yeah. truth. Um, if I was an alcoholic, I, I would be in rehab if I was an alcoholic. So I, I don't, I'm not sure how to respond to that one. Right. No, I think you're bringing up a good point, which is if you are let's say, recovering alcoholic, that is a lifestyle. And you're probably right, Marnie, that maybe a girl that has similar substance abuse problems that you can support each other would be the right move. Yeah, it definitely could be. I could understand. I actually have a friend right now who is, um, her boyfriend is in AA, and he was very upfront about it. But again, he expresses exactly how I was describing um, the, the child scenario. He expressed it really confidently. So he was like, yeah, and, you know, I, I had a really tough year last year. Um, but it's like you always put a positive spin. But after going through X, Y, and Z, I'm in an amazing place. Like, I don't drink anymore now, and I really feel a lot better about myself. And so for her, it wasn't a big deal to her. Now it's a big deal because he doesn't really ever want to go to bars to socialize with other people, and she feels bad sometimes drinking because she kind of likes to have the occasional drink. Um, but that's something that they're working through right now. And they've been dating for about a year now. Yeah, it is, it is funny because the, the problems that don't seem like problems or even the things that attract you early on are often the things that become your albatross, you know, 15 years down the road, right? It's so funny. Yeah, that is true. Somebody said that to me. Whatever you love about your, whatever you love first about your husband is the first thing you're going to hate. Something like that. Right, right. But it's true. That's so funny that you just said that. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, because I married somebody who doesn't drink, period, ever, you know, allergic to alcohol, whatever. And um, at first I was like, that's so cool. I just think that's so healthy and how fantastic. And periodically I'm like, wouldn't it be awesome if we could order a bottle of wine at dinner? But we can't. <laughs> so I guess. Ah, that's the whole thing. Like my, my mom has that as well. So my, my dad doesn't drink. Um, and she likes, she's not alcoholic, but she likes to have a drink every once in a while. And it's, it's kind of fun to get tipsy or a little bit drunk with your significant other. Mm-hmm. And she, she does get frustrated that he won't do anything. You know, she liked, obviously loved it in the beginning, but yeah, she probably can't stand it now. Because <laughs> it's, 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 so I, I hear you completely. Yeah. Which brings up another interesting point. The process of dating kind of coincides with the process of finding out a little bit about yourself. Oh, my God, yeah. If you're open to it, for sure. I love, I love that statement that you just made. Because 
I will say that since I have met my husband, um, I've learned so much more about myself. And I think he has too, but because we've been open to it. I have a lot of people who I know that always think that they're right. So they have relationships that typically end. They don't like to work through issues or have compromise or really openly communicate with other people. Like communication usually just means that they express themselves and tell the other person what they've done wrong and how they hurt them rather than acknowledging that they may have done something or they may have been part of the hurt that was going on. So, um, yeah, you definitely, God, within a relationship, you learn so much about yourself. It's, it's amazing if you're open to it. There was this really good article in Psychology Today that was written a few months ago called like, How to Find the, I about Picking the Perfect Mate or Selecting the Perfect Mate. And it started off with this guy who had just gotten divorced, but um, he was married, they had two kids, and he, I think they were married for like 12 years or 14 years, and he thought that he was, you know, being, partaking in the marriage, he would come home every day at 8 o'clock, and he, you know, put the kids to bed and do the things that he thought he needed to do, and it turned out, you know, after the marriage was over and there was like lots of fighting, um, the wife really said to him, I felt like I was a, a single mom. You would come home and you would, you would do the actions, but you weren't a part of it with me, you weren't a team, and I kept asking you to be a team with me rather than just sort of let me make all the decisions. And um, I think that when, when people are in a relationship sometimes, uh, they, get, they get defensive and they don't, they don't put their ego aside to really hear what their partner is expressing because I would say most partners are, are not coming at you to hurt you. Uh, usually they are hurt, so they, they may be mean, but both people are just trying to protect themselves uh, and if you can, you know, drop the shields and swords, you can actually get to a really good place with your partner. You are tuned into the chat room with myself, Dana Flores, and Marie Stone. Marnie, the wing girl, is on the line. Can you stay with us to the end of the show, or do you need actually, to go? I have to go. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it was for a whole hour. I, I really apologize. But this, this has been fun, but I, I do have to go. Well, we appreciate you being here, Marnie. We will, we will trek on without you, but maybe sometime in the future we can catch up with you when you got some new stuff um, going down the pipe. Do you want to give like an email or something, like a uh, or sorry, a website? My website, website wingedgirlmethod.com. I have a new program. It's a group coaching program, interactive. It includes me every Wednesday night for a, a teleseminar and a full, it's a full curriculum for four weeks. Um, I'm launching it on June 14th, and if you sign up for my newsletter, you will be the first to hear about it. It's awesome and amazing, and it's based on um, my almost a decade doing what I do, but then, you know, my whole life as a, a woman, and includes six beautiful women who are going to tell you everything that you need to know about getting any woman you want. Wow. Sounds amazing. Love it. it does sound amazing. Yeah, but thank you so much, guys. It was really fun. Thank yes, you. It was we fun. will keep in touch with you for the future. Marnie, it was great great talking to you. Oh, thank you. All right, have a nice night and a great weekend. Thank you. Dude, thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. So, Marie, what do you what do you think? Yeah, there. She was what, all good. She was interesting. She, was she interesting. not only is she the only kind of woman-based um, company. There are women dating gurus out there, but there's no woman-based kind of like the whole company. Right, right. And she has a very different approach, and I, I think she discounts a little too much how important the work is and how 
really she's doing some psychotherapy in there, even if it's not labeled it. I mean, to get... Has to be. Right? That because has you're, to be, yeah. you have to be, you have to change their whole conception of what are you doing. Right. These dudes think, pick up line, she's like... Er. Yeah. I take that off the table. Now I'm leaving you with your throbbing vulnerabilities to go out there. <laughs> what she says is, you need to build a life that will, like... Make it so you can run into somebody, which makes a lot of sense, but it's obviously the harder route, right? Yeah. Like, how did you originally meet your current husband? My current, <laughs> as opposed to those other husbands of mine. Well. Um, no, we met at work, <laughs> which, you know, it has its good points and bad points. But at, at the time, I was an attorney, and nobody ever left the office. So if uh, there was a high percentage of people who were dating from work and you know like I say there there are problems with that obviously but um, yeah I mean and up until that time I'd always been in school so you know it was you know college law school whatever is how I mostly met people but um, yeah it was um, a lot of what she said rang really true that a lot of guys did make those mistakes back in those days which is trying to get into your world quicker you know and the interview thing rang totally true that they'll sit down and start asking you every question you're like first of all i don't know why i'm telling you any information you know where's this going why am i telling you information so you know i think she is performing sort of a public service for women out there to, to help these uh help these guys focus i kept thinking of the millionaire matchmaker do you ever watch that show yeah is that with that like kind of long island lady yes i yes. saw i saw like one episode yeah and obviously she's not matchmaking, but but that woman as well was um, really giving, as you were saying that you thought she was giving a lot of therapeutic advice, that was the matchmaker as well. She was like, you need to be confident, you need to be strong, they need, you need to drag them into your life, not insert yourself into theirs. And uh, yeah, a lot of the advice was ringing similar and true. So Now, did you have, outside of work, a social life? When I met when I met Jeff, no, right. no, and, I really didn't. And that seems to be the crux of the issue for not only women but guys, anyone with a job, basically. Yeah, right. Especially right. one of these jobs where you can't clock out at five. Exactly. Yeah. You poor people. Yeah, no, it was a twenty-four-seven. In fact, I used to try and get home in time to watch Letterman, and I never would. And it was like that seven days a week. And I remember going out into our backyard, and we have rose. I was like, I've never seen these roses. I mean, I was there all the time. So. If you're there all the time and you don't have time to waste on dating, you know. And what would you do? How would you uh, get a lawyer like you at that time who was basically around the clock lawyering? How are you going to get that person to like cut back enough to like carve out a social life? And then what? What are you going to socialize about? About, yeah. What like hobbies did you have at the time that you were, did you have any at the time that you just weren't pursuing? That's a good question. This is 15 years ago. Yeah, what did I do? I mean, I've always been into food and restaurants and, you know, crazy, crazy foods. I love travel, all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, at the time, I was very singular focused, mm. you know, and I gave it up when we had when we had our daughter because there was would have been absolutely zero time to parent and work. So, yeah, for working professionals and those are the people that really probably need her. Or, you know, because there is no, there are no interests. There not, there's nothing to talk about unless you're on my case with me. I think that's why so many people end up dating because you have so much in common. And this was true of, of Jeff and I, actually. We had so much in common at the beginning. We had everything in common. And then once I quit, we kind of, you know, we had to really rebuild from scratch 
and this was after we were married of, you know, well, what are our common interests? Because now there's, we lost all the people in common, you know, from the firm. Uh, so our friendship circle was, you know, totally different and uh, the interest circle totally different. So, yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, I think probably long term, this is the right kind of program that build your life so that you meet girls kind of you meet people really right. meet people naturally and in fact we didn't get into that had she been on for a little longer i would have kind of prodded her about the the building the social circle thing because i think something that a lot of people overlook is you may not meet this person cold you may meet this person through someone you met no that's so, true right so you kind of got to be open to just being friends with people right and there's a lot of people I know there was a time in my life where I'm like, I got plenty of friends. I just need a girlfriend. Unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily work doesn't that work. way. How did you meet your girlfriend? I met her through a friend. Okay. So that goes to show. There you go. I think most of my better girlfriends, in fact, now that I think about it, I think all of them I met through a friend. Like a setup? Uh, not even that. It was friend first, kind of. You would okay. meet her and like, oh, she's okay. kind of interesting. And to me, that seems a much more that's so healthy, Dana. humane way. Yeah. Because you look at them and you can kind of size them up physically and and give a yay or nay in your head, and then think, you know, can I put up with this? Is this good? Is this like? Does this at least meet the bottom standard? Instead <laughs> of, and then you can decide. I hope try she's listening. To, <laughs> you can try to turn it up to, to two or, or three. But online dating, it's like, first, you don't even know what they look like. You see a picture, and you know how pictures can lie. And then, based on a picture or two, and some words, they write that you don't even know if they wrote them. At the end of the day, this is text that anyone could have written, right? And then you both say, okay, let's go meet. And then it could be immediately, nope. And I'm like, that is so harsh. I don't understand how online dating works. It seems so devastating for you to go out with the idea of possibly something's going to happen and then boom, no chemistry. It's like, really? Not I even did, friends. Yeah, I did some online dating. And you're right. That, that is sort of how it is because you can't tell chemistry over the Internet. And this was early, early days of the Internet, you know, before Match.com and all of that. And it was, it was in the dial-up days of AOL. And I just thought five five and two eighty looked better than it does. Mm. I don't know what I was thinking, but you know, he was honest. He was totally honest. And yeah, whew, too bad. <laughs> turns out, <laughs> turns out, not the package I was looking for. Yeah, and that seems more. He wasn't two eighty, but he was close. He he was closer to it than not. He was closer to it than I was. But you know, I mean, yeah, it was it was. Uh, it was awkward. It was really hard for me to to say, I'm sorry, but, you know, I know we've been talking online for months, and we've shared all this stuff, and, you know, yeah, it's you. It is you. <laughs> it's not just me. It's you. It's That's an awkward conversation. Yeah, and, it, and what's, what's funny to me is that it seems like online dating is geared toward the less socially um, experienced person that maybe doesn't go out a lot and maybe is afraid of those things and just wants to go right to the bullseye. But that seems so, like, not debilitating, but ego deflating for you to, for someone to just, like, say no. It's not working. Not even a, hey, we can be friends. Because you don't start out with the idea of being friends, right? It's always, it's, you're a possible candidate for, uh. There's something about that that I feel is like you guys are missing a couple steps. 
Yeah, right. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And you know the other person is single and looking. And, it, you know, in theory, you met a certain amount of criteria or you wouldn't have made it that far. So it is. It's all physical. And then it, it really is a slap in the face judgment of, sorry, you're not floating my boat. So Yeah. I really, if I was to pick any one guru that I thought had it, had kind of the right plan, the closest plan, it would be Marnie because everybody else has a technique for getting you to meet a girl. But the problem is they're, they're, they're laser beam focused on a certain type of girl instead of stepping back and saying, okay, put, pump the brakes. We can get there. And it's cool that she allows you to, you know, have whatever kind of relationship you want with a girl. But it's important for people to step back and say, okay, who am I and what am I about? But that's, I just cannot imagine she doesn't get guys that probably don't contact her. She's like, this is too hard. <laughs> right. Yeah, it does look hard. Like, why would I want to talk about hard stuff? Did this, did her techniques mesh up with how you approach women? Confidence, putting them into your world instead of stepping into theirs i think some of her and this is true for like almost all dating gurus most of the women are more traditional like Mm -hmm. when she's talking about paying for the first three times i don't buy that i don't if a woman wants me to as a meal ticket wrong door you know what i mean (laughs) and there's certain girls that do want that and and this is where it becomes apparent that no one dating guru is going to have all the answers even though probably marnie is very effective with certain guys if you learn, you will learn something from every guy. One of the things I learned from another, eh, from multiple gurus, is that there's about four major things women want. And the two that I'll talk about right here are daddy and like an artist. Someone to show, the, someone to show them cool, interesting, new stuff. And then there's someone to take care of them. Almost every dating guru teaches you how to be the guy who will like take care of her. And I just don't, I don't know if it's because maybe creative men are in a minority and most men are better at making money i don't know if that's the case or if it's just it's harder it could be i mean how are you going to teach techniques it's easy to teach you techniques how to impress a girl that you're that you can be a good breadwinner right how easy is that get nice clothes get nice car have money yeah but how are you going to teach someone to like be creative and show her that's yeah. That's going to take tough. years, probably. Well, yeah. I, I, I was talking with somebody yesterday who was talking about how it's so hardwired into men's DNA to be protectors and providers, that those are the two things that men, and I know this is true of my husband, that he takes enormous amounts of pride in being protector and provider, and he's great at both of those things. And that's really how he shows me he loves me, a protector, provider. And, you know, after that... The rest of it's just icing on the cake, right? So I do think she's playing into that sort of stereotype. I don't know if it's a stereotype or if it's really true, if that is men's DNA. But I, I'm, you don't I've feel heard, responsible for that? I've heard a lot of people talk about in the DNA. I don't buy any of it. The only, the only DNA I believe is we have little bits below there that itch and we want to scratch them. And the rest of it's all culture. You know, women and men both are made of the same material. L- if you take a woman and you take a man, there's a certain part in the embryo where they're exactly the same, and then suddenly the same skin. We all have the same parts. Women's grows here, doesn't grow here. Women stays inside, men's falls out. We're 
made of the same stuff. Now, when it comes to certain men feeling a protecting kind of uh, instinct, I think that could be genetically related, but I think there are women like that also. Yeah, although I will tell you, so my friend just gave birth to a boy, and he is tiny. You know, society has not influenced this kid at all. He's like three months old. Man, that kid is into everything. Pulling crap down, pulling things over, grabbing this, grabbing that. He's all over. The, so much different than a girl. So I, I think you're right. There's probably a certain set of temperaments that we tend to appreciate more in women. So it gets perpetuated more often than women. So maybe women are, or or girls are, to an extent, less curious, less willing to take a risk. Although one of my, I've run into young girls that are just as, you know, they'll eat rocks just as much as the (laughs) other boy will eat rocks. But I think you're right that there's a certain amount of, we've basically bred out a certain amount of this these um tendencies and some of them i think maybe are related to that is it extra y or extra x what's the deal yeah i can't remember so the chromosome yeah i think you're right that some of it could be genetically related but i think once you get beyond your base um tendencies i think you can grow an interest in being a protector even though you're not naturally one i'm actually not naturally that masculine it's it's things that i've unders i've kind of taken on and i've built up i'm actually not even an extrovert that's something that i've practiced Mm -hmm. because you you grow up around extroverts you're going to learn how to be an extrovert and then it gets comfortable so it seems to be a matter of what you're comfortable with and your comfort level can increase and i think maybe what we do is we tell people "Er, push your comfort women push your comfort to the left men to the right and i don't know if that's that right move Mm -hmm. i think Long-term people should be kind of the way they want to be. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I can see why in the old days people didn't want women to be rough and tumble because no guy will like that. Because guys were taught that he doesn't want that kind of guy or kind of girl. So much more to talk about uh, in weeks to we come. Could, we could talk forever. <laughs> but you're going to be gone for the next I'll be gone for a little while, yeah, two a couple weeks, of weeks. So it's going to yeah. be Daniel Flores all by himself and hopefully some guests. Yes. That's what I'm going to try to do. In, I like um, it. It's the Dana show the next couple of weeks. It's going to be the Dana so show. Good luck. Good luck. Yes. Thank you so much, Marie. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is, we got Bunnies in Space next. Bunnies in Space coming up next. You have been tuned into the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We will be right back here with you next Friday night at 5. Thanks for joining us.